athletes take your mark get set it's time for the addict athlete podcast everybody out there coach blue robinson here i want to give you all a special thanks and shout out for downloading sharing and subscribing to the podcast really appreciate it when you jump on there and leave us a review it does help us increase the quality of our podcast and to anyone who might be struggling with addiction or addiction recovery of any sort doesn't just have to specifically be drugs or alcohol um, we hope this podcast can be used for you and your family to help that healing process to give a shout out to all of our patreon donors for everyone who has been able to help addict athlete move this podcast and our message forward athletes i've got a special guest today and i'm so glad that i that she that 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 she caught me. I caught her at the uh, Nebo Half Marathon just not too long ago, as I was pushing little Emma, and I bumped into an amazing woman and got to finish together. I think I you know I, I probably slowed you down a little bit there, Kathy. I probably ruined your time because we started talking a little bit towards the end there. But I want to give a special welcome and shout out to Kathy Nay, who uh, has been you know willing to come on here and talk a little bit about her journey, her her introduction to this so-called addiction, addiction recovery, and the very special message that I'm sure is going to resonate with a lot of us. So, Kathy, thank you so much for uh, being willing to, to jump in here on Addict Athletes Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit about maybe what we were talking about for that brief moment over the last, like, quarter point two miles of that race. We bumped into each other, and you you kind of you kind of woke me up from a trance when I got to got to hear just a smidge about your story. But if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about you and about really why we started talking at the end of that marathon anyway. Well, um, like Lou said, we had met on uh, the very ending of the half marathon, the Mount Nebo half marathon, and we had actually kind of been passing each other back and forth the whole race. And he had passed me, I'd pass him, he had passed me, and. I noticed right before we were finishing his t-shirt that said addict to athlete. And I said, Hey, <laughs> do you belong to that? And he goes, yeah, I do. And I said, I've heard of that. I said, are you an addict? And he said, yeah, I was, um, I run this place and I'm like, Oh my gosh, my, I think I've heard you talk. You were at um, <laughs> national, the addiction awareness day. Um, my, my daughter passed away from an addiction. She, hmm um passed away from a heroin overdose and i had heard you speak and i've seen um lots of things about you and i knew of you but i had never personally had met you and so yeah. i just had told you that um you know i thought it was so amazing all the things that you had done and i, mm. and I enjoyed your speech and um i i didn't know there was all these things out there when my daughter was alive i just um found them out after she had passed away. Yeah. So my daughter died yeah. of a heroin overdose with fentanyl three years ago. And mm. I um, found a support group and started going to these things and met Jennifer Plum, who does the Naloxone Utah and got in contact with her and she helped me out. She helped me find some Facebook groups with mm -hmm. um, different moms that had gone through this and so, so finally I found the support for moms but it wasn't until she passed away and I was like wow every mom needs to know about this and so yeah. I have been this advocate that if someone has an addict or they are an addict there's so much support I, I just had no idea so had asked me if I would be willing to let my daughter be on a billboard for Utah Naloxone. And I was 
absolutely. If I can help one more family um, not have to experience the death of a child, or if they can identify with me and think mm-hmm. that, oh, they're going through it. She's not a, you know, I'm not a bad mom or I'm not a failure. You know, there's other people, you know, their whole slogan of sharing without shame. Yeah, you know, so walk us through that a little bit. I mean, what kind of what kind of person was your daughter? I mean, you you mentioned fentanyl. That's three years ago. We didn't know hardly anything about the the, the effects of, of what that was. You know how it was even getting you know through maybe in, into the, our homes. I mean, tell us a little bit about your daughter. What kind of person was she? And and you know what maybe the situation or around kind of you know, what her, what her addiction was, I mean, was it, was it obvious what, you know, as, as a parent loving your children, how, how aware, you know, did they, did she make I, that their problem? I, I knew, I was so naive. I knew nothing about addiction. Mm-hmm. I, um, everything I learned from addiction, I Googled. I mm. Googled, what does heroin look like? What does fentanyl look like? What do track marks look like? What does someone's eyes look like if they're on heroin? Then I would wow. click click image. What does someone's eyes look like if they're on this drug? How, what's slang for this drug? What's slang for this drug? If someone took my phone, they would think I was either making it or selling it because my history was so long. I would just Google it, Google the recovery rates, Google, um, how, how they get it, how they buy it, what, how they get addicted to it. Um, I knew nothing about it. My, my daughter, um, so smart and so brilliant but she she had some dark dark spots too she um she lived with me until she was 15 years old and i had gotten married and had a baby and she wasn't happy and she was acting out and she was hanging out with friends that were not the best influence they weren't into drugs but just not the best influence kind of um sloughing and just doing other things and she was so <laughs> mad and I said if you're so and she had tried to commit suicide a couple of times and mm-hmm. so I said I just needed to get her out of that environment like just away from if she was that unhappy so we um I had her go live with her dad <laughs> and it was rough for a little bit but um all of a sudden she started doing really well and she was in Duchesne going to Tabiona High School. She had a 4.0. Oh. She was in the school play. She um, got good friends. She was starting to fill out college applications. And I thought this, this is what she needed. She was out of the, that big city realm. And um, I thought the longer she goes down this path of these better choices, these better atmosphere this better this better um path the longer she'll stay on it right makes sense Mm -hmm. but then she got a job i met a boyfriend and this boyfriend was a few years older than her he was an addict Mm -hmm. still had that self-esteem like that she wasn't that far down the road yet that she could say no that that is the right. dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to do that. She wanted to be that um, take a risk person. And yeah, yeah I'm young. That sounds fun. Makes That's sense. Fun. Yeah. So young and wild. Boyfriend. I get it. Mm-hmm. This boyfriend that was an addict and um, started doing drugs. 
Mm. I had no idea. She was living with her dad, but she also kind of like when she was mad at me would say things to shock me. And so she, uh, after she met the boyfriend, her, it was during the summer. She had a summer job, met the boyfriend, and then the boyfriend moved back to Salt Lake and she had been doing drugs and she wanted to be with him. So she ran away from home. Oh man. Right. With her boyfriend. And, um, she was almost 18. So she was smart enough to know if she just laid low until she turned 18, there was nothing anyone could do. Right. She just flew under the radars. The second she turned 18, she turned her phone back on. She turned her social media back on. And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. This is me. This is what I'm doing. By that time it was kind of, too late but i didn't know i mean it was she was already on drugs but i had no idea right she had um asked my husband to come pick her up or she needed something and my husband went to pick her up and he was like oh my gosh Hmm. she looked like death he said he he, the first time he laid eyes on her after that he could tell there was something very wrong it, it was from summer to this was September. Her birthday was in September. Mm-hmm. So she ran away in August, September. She had lost a ton of weight, dark circles on her eyes. And she said um, that they were running from people. I think she was having hallucinations. Like they were in a building, people were shooting at them. And I was like, I mean, I didn't see this on the news. I'm like Googling the news. Yeah. Shooting. You're like, what am I missing? Yeah. And I'm like, gosh, I just, that doesn't sound familiar. And um, then she's like, yeah, we're on, I'm on drugs. And I'm like, are you really? And my husband said, she looks like it. Yeah, she looks the part. That makes sense. Horrible. She was sleeping. He picked her up at a restaurant. She was sleeping. And um, he's like, what should I do? And I said, "Um, let's bring her to rebound. Let's take her. And she was like, no way. I'm 18. She wasn't having it, huh? No way. She just wanted some money for a hotel. And I said, no, because that fixes tonight. What are you going to do the other 364 days this year? Yeah. And um, I kept asking him, like, well, what did, what did her hair look like? What did her eyes look like? Did you, you know, and that's when I started Googling all these symptoms. And right. her, her, we called her dad. We said, you know, we found her. And her dad said, okay, I'll, I'll take her. He worked on a ranch in a different state. He said, I'll take her to this ranch out in the middle of nowhere she agreed to it he comes down wouldn't leave yeah wouldn't leave the boyfriend he said okay the boyfriend can come let's just get you guys out of here no wow they kind of just couch surfed around and stuff and i wasn't sure like i I was dumb. I was just so naive. to this. Well, you were very in, unequipped to, I mean, again, she flew under the radar for that long. And, you know, and when, when you have a two parent household, you know, in different situations and she, you, you kind of have to go off of what you last knew. So, I mean, I can kind of see that, that, uh, I don't know, that little bit of a limbo kind of like, is she? Cause this doesn't, I mean, it sounds like what she used to do, but she's changed because she's done this. And so, being unsure of yourself. It makes a lot of sense. Yes, I'm on a heroin. And I'm like, okay, you went from you got in trouble for drinking once to heroin? It's a big leap. 
Yes, it wasn't like I got in trouble a lot. I've been in trouble doing other drugs. I've been doing this or that. It was like I got caught slipping and drinking to I'm doing heroin. I'm yeah. shooting it up. And I was like, what? And I was like, I, and she liked to shock me and she liked to um, tell me things. And then she'd be like, oh, I was just teething. So I'm like, test the I, water a little bit on how you'd respond. Yeah. Gotcha. And then um, I just kept saying, well, every time she would ask me for, for stuff or, or for money or something, I would say, I'll put you in rehab. Yeah. Like, oh, Why would I want to go to rehab? I'm not quitting. Mm-hmm. I just want, you know, I need this or I need some food. When you heard her say that, when she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not done. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. All I need is this. Um, how hard was it for you to kind of wrap your head around how, how come you don't want to change? I mean, look at the situation you're in. This doesn't seem comfortable. Why wouldn't you want to go? How hard was it for you to kind of wrap your head around the fact that she's slapping you away the hand, trying to help her get out of it? Was that, was that weird for you? Cause it's like, who wants to live like this, right? And it was devastating. I, I would cry and I would just be like, you, you have two choices. You are either going to be in jail and you're mm-hmm. going to do something stupid and you're going to be in jail for a long time or you're going to be dead. You're not going to do heroin and be fine. You're right. not going to be shooting up. If this is what you're doing, if you say this is what you're doing, because again, I didn't know. Those are your two choices, Burgundy. Yeah. You're going to be dead or in jail for a long time. You had that conversation okay. with her. Yes. And I said, you... people don't casually do heroin for years. Mm-mm. It takes your life one way or the other. In, you're in jail or, or, you're, um, or you're dead. You, and you, you pass like, away. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's fun. Yeah, I got it under control. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, only dumb people overdose. It's yeah. Funny. It's when they quit and then they go back to what they were doing. She would tell me that all the time. You know what, though? Again, that's, that's the, and that was the narrative. I can totally understand why she would think that. If I'm just, if I'm monitoring what I'm doing, I know that if I quit and I come back to it, then I got to be careful. And I think that's what we've done kind of poorly in the treatment world was give them some false hope that like, that is one of the main reasons why you pass, but there's a lot more. So. I can get her mindset. That makes perfect sense to me. I've heard that. I've heard that before. So then her boyfriend ended up going to jail and she was living in a trailer, no running water. I mean, to me, that was like, okay, she has hit the okay. bottom. Now of- she'll be ready, right? And she was with the boyfriend when he was selling. He was selling some drugs. She was with him. He went to jail. And because she had never had any, I mean, like I said, she went to, got in trouble for drinking to a heroin user, they, um, they let, they put her in jail for two months on weekends only because she had a, she was kind of working. So she just wow. had to go to jail for weekends because she was a clean kid, nothing. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, this is bottom of the barrel. This is going to hit her. I said, okay, Burgundy, this isn't fun, right? Like, are you ready for help? No, it's not that bad and the food's good. Oh man. What? Yeah, I just read wow. my and I get a good meal. I said, so this is fun that you like this life. This is where you want to be. If you love him and you want to get married, like this is, this is okay. You want to have babies and live in a trailer with no running water. You're doing jail time on the weekends. He's doing a month. Like 
this is what you want. You don't want to have a car and live with us and go to college and make your own money. Maybe. I don't know. Didn't didn't really didn't really move move her in a positive direction, huh? No. She um when, when you heard that, what did you think when when she was like, No, I'm totally fine still? Like again, because any of us, we, we could think, yeah, but but why you're subjecting yourself to the worst ever? Like, what is it that's so pleasing? I mean, that had to just boggle your mind. That's what I kept asking her. I'm like, what is it that you're loving? Like, what about this situation is so great? I'm offering you rehab. Mm -hmm. When you're done with rehab, you go to college. We'll help you with college. We'll help you get a car. Your, your only stipulations is you can't you can't have drugs. She did not want to leave him. She did not want to separate. I think she was afraid if she went and got clean, he wouldn't love her. I, I don't know. She didn't. Really no, it makes perfect sense. I think sometimes that happens more often than we think. You're absolutely right. I think leaving that relationship would be, would be just as painful as it would be going into withdrawals probably, you know, I mean, when there's that false, I guess, perception of love, you know, yes. and she's like, this guy cares about me, but does he really? Like, it it's interesting. Fun. We get it's duped into it. Yes. She mm -hmm. loved it. I think he cared about her and I think she cared about him, but they were high and they were, it was toxic because they would get high and fight, but then they would, Oh, I love you. I love you. And then how did you feel about him? I want you to get better. Yeah. How did you feel about him? What was your, what was your mindset about who this guy is? Um, at first, I was so mad at him, and I hated him. And when I first met him, the very, like when she ran away to him, and I found out that first time that he had her on drugs, and that he introduced her to drugs, and she did it to be the cool kid, I said, you look at her. Look at her. You did this. There's a special place in hell for people like you. And wow. I was so mad at him, and I was so mad. And my daughter and I, every time we would talk, we would fight about this. Like, what is it? What don't, why don't you want to get help? Why are you, we're not wanting to go to rehab? Why, you know? And then I just thought, you know what? I am just going to stop. Hmm. And I decided that I'm not going to hate him. I am going to just, if I want to have a relationship with my daughter, I can't bring that up. I just have to talk to her about other things. Wow. So I, wow. Would, I would meet them, but I wouldn't let them come to my house. I wouldn't let her come to my house because I, we had a baby. I didn't want them to bring drugs to our house. I was mm -hmm. still afraid, you know, they might steal or something. So I would, um, and if, if they started to get toxic or she started, if I thought she was on drugs and acting weird, I could leave. I was at a right. restaurant and I could just be like, I love you. I got to go. Yeah. But at my house, how do I get them to leave? True. So I would just meet him at restaurants or meet him places. And um, about a year before, so she was on drugs for maybe two years, a year and a half. But about nine months before she died, I just decided I am done hating. I'm done being mad. I'm done not liking. Because the only one that's mad at the end of the conversation, the only one that has this hard heart is me. Yeah. I'm the only one mad every day. I'm the only one that has a headache and my jaw clenched every day. So I'm going to like them. And I don't know why you think this, this life that you're living is so grand, but I'm just going to 
be okay with it. You made and a conscious so, decision to yes. change <laughs> your perception. Yes. And so when uh, I would call her, I would just go get a hamburger or sometime and she would have like no coat, no flip flops. They would, I mean, no money for gas. I would give, can we have $5 for gas? And in my head, I would think how far is $5 going to get you? But I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, uh-huh, you bet. And I'd give her $5 for gas. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was done trying to be rational with her. Like how, how far are you going to get with $5? Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, and she would, you know, the dumb things that she was doing, but she thought were so smart. Like, yeah, he had a job in um, Heber, but he, they lived in Salt Lake, but he couldn't live in Salt Lake because he had a pro, he was on probation or parole or something. So he had to work in Heber because that's where his probation officer was. So she would drive him to Heber every day in this truck that they had no money to fill with gas. Oh my gosh. And I, and I just kept saying, why don't you live there? Cause we want to live in Salt Lake. And so I would, I would try to reason with her like, that is so dumb. You're wasting so much money driving this old truck up there. So, you know, we, those were when we were fighting. And that's when I was like, I'm the only one that's mad. And yeah, like, I'm the one leaving the conversations with a heavy heart. Like, they're not, they're not seeing it. Yes. I don't so know I, how in the world you were able to do that. That to me, it seems like downright just superpower-esque, you know, to be able to just say, I'm going to see the good in, in the bad because I want to have some kind of relationship. That's, that's actually quite amazing, Kathy. And I just didn't want to, cause I would just hang up crying or screaming. Like all of our conversations were like ending with a screaming and a crying and it was yeah. me crying and me yeah. screaming and me being upset. And I would, it's hard to not bring that into your home. Well, of course. And so I just was like, okay. So when we would talk and she was like, can I have $5? Cause I got to go get him from work. I'd be like, mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like, you're not going to get there and back, but that's not my problem. Yeah. You can't figure out that you're not going to get up there and back. That's, that's what adults on drugs do, I guess. Yeah. That's not, and I would always tell her, I finance good decisions. I finance going to rehab. I finance going to college. I finance, I'll finance anything that I choose. I don't finance your decisions. So if you want to be on drugs, and you want to live like this, you're going to have to finance it. I will yeah. only finance what I like. And I just made that very clear all the time. So when she would ask for things like big amounts of money or something, I'd be like, mm, no. Where did you come up with that? I that's, I've never really heard that before, but that's actually really good. I guess like, oh, a really good boundary. Like I find, I'll finance good decisions, but I'm not going to for poor ones. How did you come up with that? Because she kind of attached money to love. Gotcha. So she would say, um, can you, you know, can you buy us this or can you buy us that? And I would say, no, I knew you wouldn't help. I knew you would do this. And I hate mm. you. You're such a this, you're such a that. And I would say, I love you. I'm not doing that because that's stupid. I'm yeah. not buying you a hotel because that's stupid. I'm not paying your last five months of back rent because how are you going to pay it going forward? You don't have jobs. That's mm -hmm. stupid. You're still getting kicked out. Why would I pay your back rent? Exactly. It's not going to get That's you anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would say, that is the dumbest thing I've heard. No. Or would you, we can't pay our power. Okay. How much do you owe? Uh, $500. Okay. You have five roommates. Well, so-and-so lost their job. Okay. That's one person. What about that person and that person? I would start asking her questions. And of course you'd get mad. And I would say, so that's when I would be like, I will help you. If I feel like it's a good decision, if it's I a good, it. 
I will you find came it. up with that by yourself. Then that wasn't yeah. anything you Googled and found out. You felt that's how, that's yes. how I can hold a boundary and at the same yeah. time show her that I care. And I care and I love you. But if oh. I don't feel like it's a good decision, I'm not financing it. I only yeah. finance decisions I feel are good because she would say, well, I think it's stupid. And I said, but I have the money. You yeah. don't. So if you think it's stupid, then you finance it. If you think it's good, you finance it. I can finance all my stupid decisions. Yeah. I'm not asking you to finance my stupid decisions. That's actually very wise, Kathy. I, I like that because again, it says that the help is here if you'll take it, you know, but yeah, if you're, if you're planning on doing you know, the run of the mill goofy, goofy things, that's on your own. I, I really like that. Just the line, like, you know, they kind of like, I need help with rent. Okay. And then you find out, you know, it's because they're, you know, five months late and yeah. uh, all their roommates aren't working or they need gas money or they have a flat tire. Well, why do you have a flat tire? You go to look at the flat tire and it's because they got in a wreck. Why'd you get in a wreck? Oh, because we were drinking. I mean, they tell you yeah. a smidgen of the truth, but then you kind of start asking questions and it's this whole long thing. And I'm like, yep. So when you made a conscious decision to kind of like see the good, even in the bad, did your perceptions of the boyfriend change at that point? Or were you just kind of like, I'm just going to ignore him? Like, how, yeah. did, how did that work? She kept saying, mom, please. He's so, he's a good guy. He's please, um, please just like him. Please, please give him a chance. Please this. And I, I said, okay, fine. And I, I just, I just said, okay, but I was very strict about, um, I only finance good decisions and I only finance, um, what I want. And, at, and at first, like that first year people were like, oh, don't give them money. Don't, um, because they're just going to buy drugs, you know, but on her birthday and Christmas, I'm like, I guess if that's what she's going to do, she's, that's what she's going to do. I, in my mind, she's buying a Christmas present in my mind, yeah. she's buying that Kindle she wants. I'm giving her that money for that because if I buy her a Christmas present, she can still hawk it and go buy drugs. It's true. She can steal something and buy drugs. So mm -hmm. I, I said, yep, yeah, you're right. I will. If that's, if, if living like this, it really makes you that happy. Now I can't figure out how it does. Right. But if it really does, then okay. If you like living with no water, no power, um, all this, I honestly, for the love of God, cannot figure out how it's, it's fun for you to be living from penny to penny and this and, and all the problems that coming with an addict. All the scarcity of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. tickets, you can't pay that fine. And, you have to go get a drug test, but you don't have a ride to get your drug test. If you don't get your drug test, um, you're going to get another fine and you have to pay for your drug test and, or, or your, your different things. And she would try to be like, well, if you don't give me a ride, it's your fault. And I'm like, well, I didn't get the ticket. Did you ever feel like there were times when you were making some progress and she started to see a little more clear, but then it was like that, that recoil and she just got back into it, whatever glimmers of hope. Yeah, um, right before she passed away, she um, they lived in Salt Lake. She was living with a friend, and they were they were going to move out into their own apartment. And she asked me. She called me, and she said, um, "Mom, we're gonna we have to move out of where we live. Can we move in with you for a few weeks, and until we can get our apartment?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh." I, it, 
I want to help her. I don't want her to think I don't love her because I do love her. But I said, well, both of you? Yeah. And they're, they're a big dog. And I said, um, well, your dog's not coming. We have two little dogs and it's a pit bull. And I know people love pit bulls and stuff, but we had a baby. And I said, you know, this pit bull didn't grow up with our baby and we have yeah. two little dogs. And so I talked to my husband and I said, so what's your plan going forward? So you live with us for a couple of weeks. How come you want to live with us? Well, we just need to save a little bit of money. And I said, well, how much do you have saved? And she told me, and she was working. She had a job. They were both working. They had got a car. His parents had given him a car that wasn't that truck. And they were both working in Salt Lake. And I, and I could see some forward progress. And mm -hmm. I'd seen her a few times and she'd put on weight. And I thought, well, maybe she's not doing drugs because she's working a lot and she's put on weight. And like I said, I didn't know much about drugs except for what I Googled. And I knew mm -hmm. most, most can't work a lot, you know, yeah. she's, from what I saw, she would look like she was doing good. And I said, well, here's the thing. If you just need a couple hundred dollars, how about we help you with a couple hundred dollars? And help you get into your apartment instead of moving in with us till you save a couple hundred dollars and then move into an apartment. And that was better for her anyways. Like right. I don't think she really wanted to live with us. Hmm. And, she, and I, I thought she wasn't doing drugs because she appeared not to be the few times mm -hmm. I had seen her, I would like look at her eyes. I would try to look at her arms. I would try to, see if she was agitated she seemed normal she didn't seem right. agitated she didn't her eyes looked normal from what I could google and my husband and I were talking we're like yeah I think maybe she stopped but then that little bit in the back of my mind was like if it was that easy everyone would do it yeah it wow easy, everyone would do it mm -hmm. How come she can just quit you know people with no help no she had no rehab whatsoever but I didn't dare have her live in my house yet because that in the back of my mind. So she moved into her new apartment on Wednesday. Uh, she had called me and I said, Oh, you know, I want to see it. She's like, yeah, maybe you can come over. I was so proud of her because she was working so much. She moved into her apartment on Wednesday and I said, okay, yeah, call me on this weekend and I'll come over. She's like, yeah, we have a pool. You should come over. And it was Father's Day weekend, and I said, okay. And I called her, and she didn't answer, which wasn't unnormal for her. She right. all the times would call me only when she needed stuff. But she didn't answer, she didn't answer. And I thought, well, maybe they went up to her boyfriend's ranch where they had worked and didn't think anything of it. Then Father's Day, I, we decided to invite them both over. And my husband has two older boys have everyone come over for a barbecue. So this was the second time that we would we thought we'll we'll let him come over. Right. Didn't answer, didn't answer, but I was like, oh, you know, it's Father's Day weekend. They probably went somewhere. And then um we got the call from her boyfriend. He had went out of town with the parents and she stayed to work. And when he got home, he had found her. So he's the one that discovered her. And she was still using. Mm. I do think she maybe quit or tried to quit, but I now looking back and hearing things from other people, she didn't quit drugs. She just 
did something else. She wasn't yeah. doing heroin. She had gotten a car wreck. And the first thing she did was go to a pain clinic. My goodness. And get pain pills. And I, I kind of got mad at her. I'm like, why do you need pain pills? Because I have whiplash. And I'm like, you're 20 years old. Do yoga. Stretch yeah. it out. You do not need pain pills because you got whiplash. Yeah. Yes, I do. I, it hurts so bad. And I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm mad at her, but I'm like, well, I'm not paying for the pain clinic. I, you know, again, I'm going to just not talk about that because yeah. I'm going to fight about it. Yeah. But she was going to the pain clinic. And after I started hearing things, after she had died, she was taking not one pain pill, but four pain pills. Oh, my goodness. So, going through them. So that time that I had seen her that I thought, oh, she's doing good. She's not doing drugs. She was doing pain pills. Yeah, prescription. And she wasn't doing the heroin, but she was still getting the drugs. Right. And I think she was drinking a lot more at that time. Hmm. So she was just supplementing her choice of drug for something else. It wasn't what she really wanted, but um, then I think it was too hard to get the pain pills because she had to keep going to the doctor. Right. And so I think she tried to buy pain pills a few times, but they're too much money. Exactly. It was just, yeah. and I think at that point she wanted to get, I think she was like, Oh, I kind of like having a job and this is kind of cool living in my own place and having a car and yeah. And being self-reliant. Having running water and lights. Yes, and mm -hmm. and being able to buy things and go where I want, when I want. But she couldn't buy pain pills and, and pay her bills. So I think she was buying pain pills for not very long. You know, these, this was within a short few months. And then I think she started buying uh, heroin. I know her boyfriend was on Suboxone. Okay. Um, was he was he trying to quit yes he was trying to quit too and so she wanted wow. me to help her oh, she wanted me to pay for it and I said um because they were going to share it and I said um no mm. again I'll pay for good decisions if you want to get on Suboxone you're going to go to a doctor and you're going to get your own prescription of Suboxone they're not just going to yeah. get it I said I know they're going to make you go to rehab <laughs> yeah follow the steps I'm not going to buy his prescription for you two to share yeah that would be hard that'd be really hard but i know they were doing that they were sharing his prescription wow so 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 she was making some attempts to try and slow down yeah. and to cut so down to rehab and i would just say why don't you go and see if you can get your own let's go to a doctor and you can get your own prescription because she was still on my insurance mm -hmm. i said but you can't just go to the doctor and say, I'd, I'd like to get a prescription of Suboxone. Yeah. What do you just, think was so, what do you think she was so afraid of with rehab? What she, do you think she's afraid of having to cope with some of the, you know, some of the skeletons that, that she'd accumulated? Or do you think there was just a fear of unknown? What do you think was her, her hesitancy? I think her biggest fear was separating from him. I hmm. think she didn't dare leave him because I think she was afraid if she left, he might get a new life without him, her. Or, hmm. He might go on without her because still to this day, I don't know why. I don't know what deep, dark secret or, or what trauma or what, what made her 
go down that path. You know, right. when I watch these stories, these documentaries, it usually seems, and, and I, again, I'm so naive about this, but when I watch like Addicted or, or these shows on, on Lifetime or something, usually these girls or boys will say like, my parents were divorced and I was abused and I, or I was raped or I was, um, they usually, I, I got in this bad accident and I had surgery and I got addicted to pain pills so young and I haven't found out what that, what that trauma or trigger was growing up that got her that skeleton that she would have to face. I'm not right. sure what that is. So I don't, maybe she knows, maybe something happened growing up and I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is. Well, you know, I think sometimes the difficult part about this kind of stuff is that, and, and, and I can't say for certain because I'm not in your shoes, but to be left with such a question mark as to, well, what was the why? Like, why did you start? What, what was it? Well, why did you feel like that was what you needed to use or to do to cope with whatever happened? Um, we kind of internalize as parents and think that it had to have been your fault. And I think it teach the principle that because of, of just the structure of the way that life is, we all have stewardships in our children's lives, but we're not the cause. And so a lot of times we start talking about family systems and things, people, kids, you know, that I work with or, or adults I work with, they're really hesitant to uh, throw their parents under the bus, so to speak, because they're afraid that they're going to be like hurting their feelings. And I'm like, look, you guys, none of us are good parents. Uh, we, we all make mistakes, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of love there. And so I say, you know, the parents aren't responsible for your addiction, but we have stewardship in it. And so if you don't tell them or teach them what happened or what's wrong, they're going to guess and they'll guess wrong. And so who knows what it was? It could be something, you know, something maybe like, like a divorce or it could be something, you know, feeling inadequate or, or ridiculed or teased at school. I mean, there's, there's a million and one reason that it doesn't have to be the super heavy stuff. But the sad part was, is that she just didn't feel like she could tell anybody. And maybe the boyfriend was that guy who, unfortunately, went in one ear and out the other. I mean, because you're right. I have a very low tolerance for men who get women involved with substances. Um, just because being raised by a single mom and two sisters, I saw the residual effect of those relationships. And so I really, I really have a low tolerance level for that. So the fact that you were able to even have some kind of relationship even at a surface level with him, it kind of shows me the caliber of person you are because I have a very low tolerance for that just because, you know, it's my, it's my own tuning, I guess. Um, how did it go down after that? I mean, you, were you in disbelief? Were you, well, he were you upset? Me, he called me and he said, um, he was screaming and he's like, burgundy overdose. And I said, what? And he's like, burgundy overdose. And I'm like, well, call 911. Yeah, why are you calling me? Yeah. I said, like, call, call 911. And he's like, it's too late. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, how do you know? And I couldn't hear him because he was screaming. I mean, he was hysterical. And I said, where are you? Text me the address because I hadn't gone there yet. Like she was supposed to call me with the address. Oh, yeah. And my, it was, you know, my husband was just putting the meat on for the barbecue. Our families were over there and I walk out the door and I'm like, um, Bernie overdosed. And I wasn't sure when we left the house, was she dead or not? What that I, meant. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the overdose meant. And, um, we get there and the cops are there and 
they, you know, like, are you the mom? I'm like, yeah. And I'm walking upstairs. I'm like, you can't go upstairs. You know, she's gone. And they said, um, it looks like she died from drugs. Do you, was she, do you know if she was a drug user? And I said, well, she was. He's like, would you, do you suspect foul play or do you think she could have died from an overdose? And I said, I, do you suspect foul play? I mean, it's a weird question to ask you. Yeah. It's not shocking to me if that's what you're asking me. Yeah. And um, they said, okay, that will help us with the case. Um, but because she died an unattended death, it wasn't, it was not, it was a crime scene because she was very young and it was unattended. So it was a crime scene for a few, a, a, you know, a few days. But because I didn't say, if I would have said like, no, absolutely not. She's not a drug user. Um, then it would have been different. But I said, well, she has done drugs. I said, was it heroin? And they said, you know, it kind of appears to be. And the, the police officer walked by me with something in the bag and I stood up and I'm like, is that heroin? And he said, I, it looks, appears to be, but we'd have to test it. That's the first time I've ever seen it. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Not something you just see in, in everyday life. Like, I understand that. Makes sense. Yeah, I've never seen it. And it just looked like, dirt rock mm -hmm. it really does yeah I've never seen i'm like god how do kids not pick that up like you know so um his parents were there with him because his parents had dropped him off and she wasn't answering the door but he could see her car there and um i don't hate him i i still don't hate him i feel really bad for him i feel um and people ask me all the time how do you not hate him and i said hate Hating him, again, only brings me to hate. There's no, there's no judge or amount of fine or jail sentence that's going to make me happy. Right. Or him uh, any worse feeling off than he feels. He has to live with what he did. He has to answer his maker for what he did, not me. Yeah. And I don't know everything that happened because I wasn't there. I don't know how she, he introduced it to her. I don't know if he begged her not to do it. I don't know if she said, I'm doing it anyways. Maybe she stole his and did it. Like, I don't know the truth, the whole truth. But I, I, um, I invited him to the funeral. I put him in the obituary because I just tried to try to think, like, if she was writing this obituary, if she got to choose what would she want? And she would want him in there and she would want him to be a part of it. So I, you know, put, you know, loving boyfriend, even though it was very toxic at times. And it, to me, it wasn't like what I would consider love right. but to, her, to her drug mind at times. If that's what she thought was love when she died, that was her love. Wow. So I put him in the obituary. I, um, embraced him with open arms. My family embraced him with open arms. My brother pulled him aside at the funeral and said, um, I just hope that this is a wake up call. And mm. if you learn anything, please let it be that we don't come to your funeral next. And he said, wow. Um, I your brother said that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So my brother said that to him, like, let's not be the next one yours. Like, let's learn something from this. Dang. And he said, okay. And um, my daughter was cremated. 
and uh, I gave him some ashes and I put him in a little box for him and I gave them to him and I I'm friends with his parents and I, I reach out to the parents and I ask him how he's doing and he's not doing good. I mean, he's right. still a user. He's still, they put him in rehab a few times. He got clean a little bit this summer, um, but he's using and they are, you know, every day they think like, are we going to come home and find him dead? Yeah. That, that, that fear of the unknown sometimes is worse than the known. Like, I can grieve and heal and go on. There is still on that. I don't know. I don't know. Are they, is it going to be dead? Is it going to be dead? Is it going to be dead? Yeah. And his parents even ask me and my husband all the time, like, I can't believe you don't hate us. I can't believe you don't hate our son. And I said, first of all, I, you guys didn't do anything. You didn't. You didn't. You, you were in the same situation we are. You have a yeah. child that's a, an, an addict. You guys exactly. are good parents. Like what your child is doing isn't reflective of you. You're still a good parent and yeah. we have no hate towards you. And I don't hate Jesse. I don't hate him. That's I incredible. Him. I, um, it's not going to do anything, is it? It's I mean, not going to do anything. It's not me hating him is only going to be, um, I watch these people that have, people that are murdered or died or do these things. They're mad at the judge sentence. They're mad when they get released. They're mad about the fine. They fight years and years over these things and they're still not happy. I am not going to be, I'm not going to die again. I'm not going to yeah. live these different terms of like, well, I'm going to, I want to find out who sold it to her and get them in jail. And then if they yeah. don't go to jail, be upset about that again. And I'm not, it's just too much hate and too much negative, I decided to put my energy and my my use to I don't want someone to do what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean from, from what you had to do to learn about it from Googling all the way up to crossing over to become uh, you know, a partner with Utah Meltrexone and being able to now advocate to have this you know, this this helpmate in everyone's home, just in case of a situation that uh, happened to Burgundy. I mean, there's you, you have turned the mess into a very powerful message. One of the things that impressed me when you came to the addict athlete meeting was that you had signed up for a race the week that she'd passed away. Mm -hmm. Well, and I already signed up for it. I had I had signed up for it, and I continued it. Yeah, right. And, the, and and didn't you say like like some of your friends were like, should you should you be here? You're like, yeah, I need to be here. Yeah. How did she, you not allow that to like shut your life down? So I'm, I'm I'm quite I'm quite I was quite I was taken back by that when I heard that. Well, cause she she died on um, the 17th, so Sunday, and the race was on that next Saturday, <laughs> and I waited to hold her funeral to the 27th because I had a lot of family out of town and they were. Um, we were at this, this big family vacation. I didn't end up going, but they were at that family vacation. And I was like, you know, we cremated her. I want you guys to continue the family vacation and then come to the funeral. I don't right. want to. And so I was just kind of waiting for the funeral to happen. And um, running is very therapeutic for me. And so when yeah. I would run with my girlfriends, we just, we solved the world's problems. We would Agreed. run and 
talk about work and everything that bugged us, talk about our kids, talk about this, talk about that. And then we'd be like, oh, we just ran 10 miles, we're done. Yeah. And I, in, I, I'm not going to say I love it, but I love to finish. I'm, I love to finish. When I'm, I'm done, I'm like, oh, that. I'm so glad I did it. But I'm when totally I wake up you. in that morning, I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I hate running. I hate it. But then when I finish, I'm like, okay, I'm a finisher. I'm not a runner. I'm a finisher. So I was just like waiting around. I had all this time, like, and I wasn't doing any, I mean, I picked out the coffin. I mean, the, the urn, I had done this, I had done that. I, I was just kind of walking around in circles. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Like I'm just kind of lost. And I'd signed up for this race and I'm like, should I run it? Should I not? Like, I'm not doing anything on Saturday. And I thought, you know what? I can't just sit and walk around in circles. Like, when do you stop walking around in circles? Like, what day should you just stop walking around in circles and right. and go from one room to the next room, one room to the next room? And I thought, I'm just gonna just gonna run. <laughs> so I got on the bus, and my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're running!" And I'm like, well, "What else was I supposed to do?" Yeah, I've cried all week. I cry every day. I'm still crying, but I have nothing else to do but to walk in and out of rooms, doing nothing. Right. What so what race it. was it? What race was it that you did? It was um it was the Huntsman Cancer race. Okay. For um and it was is it Spanish Fort Canyon? I think it's the Spanish Fort Canyon. And my friend's mom. We ran it in honor of my friend's mom. My my friend's mom had passed away. Mm. And um her, she was still running it with all her sisters and stuff. And I was like, you know, I run with these people every week. They're, they're my tribe. And yeah. uh, I felt like if I'm going to be anywhere, I should be with my tribe. I should be with the people that help me. And so I, I ran it. But um, of course, I, I didn't sleep well that week. I wasn't eating. I would forget what day it was. I mean, I would honestly forget if I ate or not. Like my husband right. Did you eat? And I'm like, yeah, I ate this. And he's like, you ate that on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was like a week ago. Like, uh-huh. It's Thursday. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I ate. And so when I was running, I got to mile 10 and um, I sat down and I'm like, this was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Why did I sign up for this? I haven't slept well. I haven't ate well. I, I'm done. Like, I can't finish it. I cannot finish these last three miles. I'm just going to look for the quitter van or the support, and I'm just going to get in and go to the finish line. Yeah. And I was just crying, and I sat down, and I looked on the road, and I saw this little heart. (laughs) And I picked it up, and I'm like, well, I'm finishing. That is her telling me to finish. I picked it up, and I finished. A little heart, a little rock, little stone in the shape of a heart. Mm-hmm. How often do you see those now? Uh, all the time. I would imagine. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And I find them all the time. When I'm outside, every, every weekend when I go running down the canyon, I find one. <laughs> I find them uh, on the road. I find them like pieces of snow that melt will melt into a heart. Last week at school, all the, this grass in the field had died except for the shape of a heart and green grass. Brilliant. I, I find them everywhere and now it's just I know it's her just saying hi 
that that's that's amazing, and I love the fact that it came with really the end in striking distance, three more miles. But for that heart of yours, it probably felt so heavy you couldn't carry it any further anyway. But oh, then yeah, when you I saw a, bo- a borrowed one on the ground, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll I'll carry this and we'll finish. That's mm-hmm. powerful stuff, Kathy. And what you're doing too, on a metabolical level, is EMDR. It's what running is. It's how you process trauma. It's one reason why it works so well with the athletes I work with. But I think it's also amazing when you have a purpose behind it. You could have just surrendered. You would have had every excuse in the world. But that's not who you are. That's not who your family is. And that's not who your daughter was. You know, I mean, yeah. I get it. And I, um, I was naive about addiction. And, um, but I, my eyes were opened after my daughter died. I, um, I realized that a lot of people and why they would, because after she died, I knew, um, I knew I needed therapy because I was like, this is hard. Like I need to see somebody. And I knew my little girl needed to see somebody because we were falling apart. We were falling apart. And um, so I started calling around and I have insurance and I just got the phone book and I started calling around. Oh, we don't see, we're not seeing any patients. We're not seeing any patients. Oh yeah, we can get you in, in November. I'm like, my daughter died. I cannot, this is June. I cannot wait till November. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, we don't take your insurance. Uh, we're not taking new patients just every day, every day, every day. And I thought, you know what? This is why people self-medicate. This is why people start to drink or take, but do you know what I could get? I could get from my doctor Xanax. Yeah. And I said, that's great, but I need help for my me right now and help for my daughter. She doesn't need Xanax. She's exactly. Sick. She's six years old and she's falling apart. She's acting out. She's crying. She was mad. I was dealing with death and sad. I was sad. She was mad and I couldn't get us therapy. And I was one day away from bringing us to the ER and saying, wow. you need to help us. I need to see somebody. So you were just about ready to go down the medical path anyway. Yes. And I thought this is why people become addicted. Our system is broken. I had a good support system that I had my family and my husband and I had a home and I looked at and I thought, you know, the people that don't have a home and they're worried about where they're going to live tomorrow, where they're going to sleep, how their kids are going to eat. That's why I, I, my eyes were just so opened because I thought, no wonder it's so easy to go down that path because they can't get help. Yeah. I had all these means to get help and I couldn't get help. And you're still getting, yeah, you're still getting real blocked. Yeah. And I have insurance and I, I'm not worried about the basics. I have food in the cupboard. I have a house. I have a yeah. husband. I have warm clothes. I'm all my basic needs are being met and I have a great support system, but those people that have no support and they don't have the basic needs and they still can't, they can't get it. No wonder, and I told my husband, I know why. No wonder people just self-medicate and see and think, screw it, I'm just going to take Xanax and lay here and do nothing. It wasn't later. Yep. Because yeah. I can't get I can't get into the doctor till December. I I can't get help till November. They're not taking my insurance. And my eyes were mm. so opened, and I was like, Yeah. That is why 
people med self-medicate. I just, I, like I said, I was so naive. I lived in this bubble of why would you do that? Why would you take that? Yeah. And I lived it for a little bit and I thought, yeah, I know why you do. Yeah, exactly. Because well, I was there for a minute. You were there. And that's, that's the kind of thing. I remember when we had one of our athletes pass away and I was there as they were the cops, the same situation to a degree where you were. And I remember here I am a therapist standing out on the front lawn of a, of a um, sober living house with another therapist. And once all the cops and the show was over, I remember looking around and thinking, well, now what? Because think heavens, we're therapists, but we need a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at these clients, I'm thinking, if this is how it is for everyone, where it's just like, you know, I can only imagine what happened for you standing on the lawn of that apartment or whatever, and then having them gone staring at each other being like, well, so now what do we do? I got thinking there's got to be something that we, we put into place where these, these officers call in like a, a therapeutic control team or something to go in there and start dealing with all that emotions right away. Because I can't imagine how it would be for you standing on that lawn if I felt the way I did, having been trained as a therapist and as a, and as a sitting bishop at the time with another therapist standing next to me thinking, this is insane. Like, now what do we do? How do we, how do we start putting all these pieces together? And I, so, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense why you were kind of like at your wits end thinking, I need help, but not the pharmaceutical kind. What do yeah. I do next? Mm -hmm. And and the last image I had was um, the coroners taking my daughter out in a in a zipped up bag. I still okay. and I still see that burned in my brain like she was in a fetal position. Yeah. And that bag going by, and I just wanted to hurry and unzip it. Yeah. They wouldn't let me up there, and I still see that that image burned in my head. And um, makes perfect sense. And I've even told the. Um, the mortuaries and stuff. I said, you, you, we need to have therapists there, like a crisis team. When you see a shooting at a school or a teacher dies at a school, they have a, they have a crisis team come in. Who's the crisis team that helps these families? We, we have a waiting list. Like, no, we can't wait. It's a crisis. Yeah. Mm -mm. We need someone there today, right yes. now. You and I are on the same page because that's what I'm thinking. We need to start having every every police organization needs to have access to this crisis team. And mm -hmm. so I'm thinking, if I'm having a hard time dealing with this, and I remember that same picture, you know, October 3rd, you know, I remember like it was yesterday and beautiful moon coming over the mountains and that being the last thing I saw of our athlete Carly. And I'm like, this can't be real. And so I can't imagine what it was like for you because I had the same things you had. With, with a little less of the emotional attachment because it wasn't my daughter, but I had to get to talk to her family. And I'm thinking, they have you a have, therapist. And you have tools too. Like you have yeah. tools. Like what about these people that have no tools and no- Absolutely. Yeah, no Google. support. I mean, come on, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, so that did, it kickstarted you into more of a lifestyle of like wanting to help rather than just, you know, you know kind of kicking that, that sorrow can down the road. When oh, did yeah. you get? When did you start getting active with Utah naltrexone and, and with that? Because that's turning oh, the mess into a message. What we talk about here on the podcast. Immediately, like my daughter died, and um, my one of my best friends said, "Hey, I have someone that I think you should talk to." She started this foundation. Her name's Jennifer. Um, I'm going to have her call you. She called me within three days of my daughter dying. Wow. And kind of talked to me and. Um, 
I had some other people call me and, you know, I just had the best friends. And when Jennifer called me, she said um, she, they were doing a training at the U and I said, I want to go. And so I went to the training and I went so I could learn how to um, train other people too. Mm -hmm. I was just so naive about this. And uh, I just, I wanted to learn everything about it. I, I spent hours at night, like, Googling drugs and Googling addiction and therapy and all this stuff because I had no idea there was all these support groups. I, I had no idea there was like an addict to athlete. I had no idea there was um, all these face face group book groups about mm-hmm. support, um, the mothers against addiction. Um, yeah. All these different organizations. I was like, well, how how come I didn't know about them? Like, yeah, I, where was this? Yeah year and a half and um so i immediately immediately i started into this and in fact i um haven't even looked into getting a certificate for um being an interventionist i think mm. in the state of utah you can get a certificate and be you work with us there you probably know more than i do work with a therapist and it's a just a certificate you can get through the u mm. And then you do some volunteer hours at a rehab center. And um, I teach school and Mm -hmm. I have taught 21 years. But when I retire, I'm going to do that. See, that's exactly what I can coexist. If I could get that that certificate while I'm teaching, I will. The only problem is you have to do a lot of um, volunteer hours or service hours. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can get all my hours in while I teach, but I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of kids in school that have had parents die of addiction and, yeah. and you're only going to see more and yeah. um, taken away because their parents are addicts and then give them back and then taken away and, and, um, heartbreaking. And, and I see it daily and I've lived it and I see it and I think there's a need for people to help and I that and I since I'm so I have such a connection to it and yep. I I really want to do that so yeah you're right we see the need too and that's the reason why for addict athlete we we certify sober coaches the 40 hour clinical you know like like school we put the are the people that are invested into it so that they can be the frontline troops because I'm a firm believer that the troops aren't coming you know, all these governments and everything that we're supposed to be waiting on, they're not coming. We, you, me, us, we're the troops. And so if we're just kind of laying in wait, hoping that, that they'll catch up to us, we're going to be we're gonna be bearing a lot more of our family. So I'm curious, as we kind of wrap this up, I'm, I'm curious, what do, you, what do you tell the mom or the dad or the parent out there right now who's saying, I'm at the beginning stages of where Kathy was with Burgundy. What do I do? What do, you know... How do I, how do I get them help? How do I, what do I do? Like, what do, how, what do you say to parents that are like, hey, I'm living your situation right now? Um, well, I, you know, I, everyone's situation is different and everyone's um, backstory is different. Um, but I tell them you're a good mom. You're a good dad. And um, they know you love them. And, um, but whatever you decide, you have to be okay with it. I, I decided that, um, I wasn't going to hate and I wasn't going to, um, have this 
you know, dark heart and I was going to just be okay with it. And I set those boundaries of like, I'm not, I only finance good decisions, but I was okay with that. And I'm not, I don't look back and say like, oh, I should have given her money for that or I should have done that. Yeah. So I tell them whatever you do, you're going to have to be, you have to be okay with it. To be okay with it. You have to live with it. And Makes we're all sense. just doing our best. There's not a book that says, here's, here's the addicts. Mom, turn to page 34 if they're a girl. Mm -hmm. Turn to page 42 if they're a boy. If they're addicted to heroin, turn to, to, to chapter two. Yeah. It's just like we're jumping into an ocean and just trying to survive and like grab whatever you can and do whatever you can. Exactly. We can't make our kids make good choices. True. We can hopefully make good choices and we can want them to make good choices. And that was so hard for me at first is yeah. I just wanted Burgundy to make good choices. And it was really, really hard for me to see her not make good choices. Exactly. But we can't make our kids make good choices, even babies. Exactly. They, they pick up something hot and you say, don't pick that up again. And they do it again. <laughs> you can't make a two-year-old make a good choice always. And the older they get, sometimes the, choice they're not making is worse and worse or harder to recover from but yeah that's hard and i just tell them like just you know you can love them but you can't make them make a good choice you can't make yeah. them make the choice you want you brought that up and it was funny i was i was facebook living our little finish there because um I, I needed like people to say hey coach don't die on me please get to the finish line <laughs> And so I don't know if you knew that right away, but uh, I didn't know you were Facebook live in as well. There was a lot of people that caught our conversation and it was talking emotional. It was very real because I was just telling them before you came up, I said, look, we can't be silent about this. You know, we, on Team Addict Athlete, we're not anonymous. We shared our story by, by being out here. And right as I was wrapping that up, you came up, but you said something that really struck me to the core. And I didn't, I, at the time, I couldn't give it the, the I guess, the, uh, the nod that I, that I want to. You said, I, I loved her. I just didn't love her choices. You know, mm -hmm. she's still my daughter and I love her, but just didn't really care for her choices. That to me showed me the caliber of mother that you were because you're still like, that's still my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I really wish there could have been a better outcome, but I, I was kind of blown away by that. I don't know if you, if you remember saying that, but I was like, that yeah, I is say that amazing. all the time. And I mm -hmm. tell people that all the time, like, I love her and I love everything about her. I just didn't love what she chose to do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's it. Athletes, listeners, you've been extremely well fed today. And thank you, Kathy, for spending some time with us and talking about such emotionally charged content. But I think it's, I think it's valuable. Um, and I love the fact that you are willing to talk about this and, like you said before, like, you know, some people are afraid to come up and ask you questions. I mean, you know, if, if people want to get a hold of you, if they have, if they have certain questions or whatnot, do, do you like that? If so, how can they, how can oh, they reach out? Yeah, ab absolutely. Because I wish I had someone to mm -hmm. reach out to or someone to say, um, you're doing okay. You're a good mom. You're a, you're a good person. You know, um, I, just someone to connect with. I yeah. am on Facebook, uh, Kathy Redney. Yeah. Uh, they can text me. They can, um, I'm on Instagram. I don't get on Instagram very much, but um, I'm on Facebook. They can message me if they want awesome. to be in private. And 
you know, I would, I would meet anyone. I've had, I've had people actually um, uh, reach out to a friend of a friend and say, Hey, would you be willing to meet this mom or talk to this mom? And I said, yeah, of Thank course. You. Of course That's I amazing. I say what we'll do is we'll, we'll, when this will come out and we'll, we'll tag you in it. And then people that want to want to instant message, you can do it through there and we'll tag Utah and Ultrax zone so that uh, we can get some support there as well. But I want to thank you for the, for uh, on behalf of team addict athlete for spending some time with us tonight. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. And we need Athletes. to start that crisis team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you and I need yeah. to get down and start doing some yeah. legislation. I've talked to a few legislators and sure. I'm like, Hey, I have an idea for your next budget. Let's do that. And I think that's what team. it is. Yeah. Yep, the crisis team. And I love it because I think it's, it's needed. So, you know, listeners, you've been well fed. I want to thank all those for participating and listening and, and sharing this podcast with anyone that struggles. I want to thank Radio Ronan for uh, the Radio Ronan Podcast Network. I really do appreciate all that you do for Team Addict Athletes. Go on there, jump on, listen to some of theirs after you listen to some of these heartbreaking podcasts here on Team Addict Athletes. But until next time, athletes, remember, we want you to turn your mess, mess into a message. Into a message.